Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors Podcast, sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hey, welcome everybody to the Babylon Pastor Podcast. This month we're covering eschatology with, um, uh, I think last month we called you Dr. Rob. Do we want to move it to Professor? Doctor. Yeah. Wow. That is, I'm, I'm flabbergasted dr rob you were gonna go you're you're, uh, you're flattered <laughs> flat sure flattered um in disbelief um not living up to um how, however you want to put it uh it's a joke that you would call me that that's that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> it's an honorary doctor from flubber university flubber yeah this is about right yeah yeah <laughs> for sure all right, so we have moved through, um, in case you're just catching up now, which this is a weird place to jump in, but I guess you could. Uh, the first episode of this month, we covered the commonalities between all of the eschatological views. Then we talked about... Wow. Yeah. Did I get that right or was it... Did that was, no, that was good. Good, yes. good work. Fantastic. Yeah. Then we uh, covered uh, historical, but really leaned more toward dispensational pre-mill. Last week, we covered all mill which um, I joked around. I hope you didn't get offended. It's kind of the eh, position on eschatology. Uh, it's the committed, not committed. And then today we're going to talk about post-mill, um, which uh, every, other top, every other time we've talked about this, Rob, you, you say they would believe. So I'm, uh, did you give away your position on uh, your, your particular holdings on this? No. <laughs> No, with the head shake, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, okay. um, yeah, no, this is this is where I fall um, right now. And I say right now on purpose because yeah. this, is, this is something that honestly, unless you're the person who has um, studied all of the different views, why they believe what they believe, and you've studied it for a while, and you actually have that for sure conviction, um, which I'm not completely there yet, to be honest. I'm, I post mill um, scripturally the arguments that I've heard and seen, the study that I have done because of things that I've seen and heard people preach. Um, so my own personal study, it seems to me to be the one that makes the most sense biblically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I guess. I think you described it as the one with the least holes. Uh, to me, yeah, I, I think so, personally, but yeah. Gotcha. So, all right, so why don't you explain all the ins and outs then? <laughs> so, so, okay. Um, well, uh, last week we talked about omnipotentialism. Um, Dude, the, I almost just spit in my Bible right now. <laughs> that would have not been cool. No. So the main difference is, and you, you, you can correct me here, that, that I kind of uh, get from the difference between on-mill and post-mill is basically the view on the millennial millennium, um, kind of where that falls, as well as uh, Christ's return and where that falls, which those are connected loosely anyway. So it would make sense that those two are the kind of the defining differences because between the, those two, a amateur chess as myself doesn't see much of a difference. 
Yeah. And it's actually nowadays even less of a difference uh, because um, there, it used to be that post-millennialism was, okay, um, Christ, um, incarnation, life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and now he's at the right hand of the Father, ruling, King of kings, Lord of lords. This is the millennium uh, for Amel, right? Um, and it used to be that post-millennialists would say that exclusively, this was the only view, was uh, they would say that now is the church age. At the end of the church age, there would be a literal, like a millennial kingdom where everything was Christianized right? Christendom or whatever across the world, right? Um, now it's, it's actually a lot more blurry, kind of like the Amil view in the sense that there, there would be a lot of post-millennialists who would say um, that this might be the millennium too, right? That it's not necessarily a, uh, um, a concrete fixed thousand year time frame but it's also, it's figurative, like the Amil view. So, but yeah, it's, it's uh, progressively positive. Gotcha. So do you think on the millennial part, just as a a question here, um, do you think the reason that it's so similar and it's not as kind of hardly defined as it may have once been is because of how far we've moved away? I mean, like as far as historically, like more time has passed. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Good question. I, I, so, um, I'm not an expert uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And I hope that I've tried to make that clear as we've been doing this month. I think you mentioned that you've uh, really held to this maybe six months at this point. So, right. Yeah. It's not, it's not. So um, while a lot of stuff is fresh that I'm talking about, it's also fairly fresh and new. (laughs) So, um, but uh, if, if I had to guess uh, that, that what you're saying makes sense, um, with the sort of morph over time into the, the, the fact that there, so if you look at like some diagrams, which like a timeline sort of diagram or whatever of the millennial views, some of the post-millennial diagrams will have, in fact, I think the one in the uh, uh, Wayne in the Grudem uh, systematic theology, I think that he has diagrams for each one of them. A lot of, uh, theology books do you can find them online all over the place um, but a lot of them would have a distinct uh, church age followed by a distinct millennium reign of Christ uh, in the post-millennial view okay. um, but now that's a lot more blurry um, the way that a lot of folks take it and think it's just it's a lot more of a blurry thing um, there's not like a distinct bam, here's the beginning of the reign um, of the literal millennium thing. So, um, yeah, I think, and honestly, one of the, the very first thing that made me um, question all of it, uh, all of it, meaning all of the views, what I thought was when I found out that R.C. Sproul was a post-millennialist, which is, someone who I deeply respect um, um, and love his teaching, love listening to him and, and whatever else. And like, this is a guy who, uh, you know, like is a giant in the faith 
was and still is um, with the, the material that he's left. Um, and so to me, when I saw that, I was like, huh, okay, I need to, you know, explore this a little bit at least. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what began my journey down this path okay. a little bit. So like you said, and something I think I, we, we need to touch on is you said this is a very uh, optimistic eschatological yeah. view in the sense that it is this, uh, because the, the belief is that um, Jesus is ruling and reigning now um, and the gospel is going forward, there's this real um, optimism of, of, of that very fact that, you know, <clears throat> it's not that... Um, that's being held back. It's not that that's being hidden from anyone. It's that uh, the gospel is now going forward. And there's this real, um, this, this understanding that Christians should be in the marketplace. Christians should be um, going forth into all the different, so business, politics, uh, missions, like you should have your hand in all the things because unlike dispensationalism, there's not like this, like it's immediate coming close in, like we're not super, super close. Yeah. It's this idea that things are going to, you know, the gospel is going to be going forward. God is really narrating. And therefore we as his people should be going forward, proclaiming that message in all the different parts of society mm-hmm. um, without, uh, without fear of what's going to happen. Because like we talked about in the other views, tribulation is always going to happen, but Christ is ruling and reigning and that gives us power and understanding that that's what we should be doing. So, yeah, I think, uh, so this is a big statement and I'm probably um, not thinking it all the way through and I'm sure someone's going to be mad about this, but it seems to me that the post-millennial view because of that op and I'll explain the, what that means when we talk about optimistic. Um, But but it seems to me that because of that bit of the post mill view that it, it is also practically the view that if, if uh, your entire church, let's say held this view, knew what it meant, knew all the scriptures about it, knew like, like they knew it and, and held it. Okay. Um, You're going to have less trouble continually calling that church to go make disciples go. You can't just be sitting around go. Right. Because that's the entire outlook of the post mill view. It, it is all based on this concept that look, the gospel is here. Right. And uh, even, even Jesus, what was his mess? What did he begin uh, in uh, Mark? As Mark described the beginning of his ministry, Jesus said, what repent, believe in the gospel right? So that the good news of the kingdom came, right? And, and ever since then, Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. We are to be progressively um, pushing uh, the, the kingdom of God, right? And, and uh, I mean, living that out in our life, not, not conquering in the sense that, you know, we get on horses and, and mm-hmm. charge, but, but certainly, you know, uh, not, not afraid, knowing that we've already won, Knowing that you know it, it, it the whole outlook is well. It's different. It's um, not a fear. Yeah. I'm going to be persecuted. It's a I know he rules and reigns, so I'm going to go forth and do what I need to do. Then yeah, it's a it's a look at persecution square in the face and say, do your worst. My king reigns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Um, and I, I, you know, I don't want to paint the picture that other people who don't hold that view don't think like that. I just think that, that it, um, almost has to be more intentional that you think that way and mm-hmm. some of the other views, because, <clears throat> um, like you were saying, I think in the very first episode this month, um, uh, the, the eschatology has an effect on every other thing yeah. that you, you do. do. Right. And so how we do mission um, is affected by that, how we do whatever. So in uh, long story short, well, we actually it, have a lot of people in America now that are obsessed with this stuff and are basically hunkering down because of all the political stuff going on and everything. And we're kind of hunkering down, looking at what's going on with Israel and forgetting and being completely distracted that, that we're supposed to <laughs> go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them all. Like that didn't go away just because Joe Biden's the president, right? Like, you know, well, and I think that's a good distinction because there's one of those things that I mean, we've talked about and I've joked around the entire month about so far about the fact that, you know, this makes your brain mush, which it does if, I mean, the details of it. But the idea is that we all have some sort of view of eschatology and whether we Mm -hmm. know it or not, how we live actually points back to what we either not acknowledge or just don't know we believe because if a church, and I was thinking about when you were talking about missions, you, you can almost one-to-one correlate where a church stands eschatology wise based upon their, you know, their weight put on the gospel going forward, whether it be missions or community outreach or things like that. Yep. Because that it's a direct tie-in, whether we know it or not, between, you know, are, 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 are we talking about doom and gloom or are we talking about going forward? And that's going to show you where you land on that. Yeah. Um, just accidentally, <laughs> you're going to know uh, yeah. where, where you stand. So, yeah. And um, there, there's uh so um, I'll say it this way. It's, it seems like to me that the, the post-mill view, um, it's, it's more of a given that mission happens in daily life, that it's, it's more distinctly understood as our entire purpose rather than just surviving till Christ comes, rather than just whatever. Um, no, he came. And he's the king, no matter what it looks like. And because, and we're really influenced by culture, right? In in eschatology, um, and so, and that's true of post mill too, right? Mm-hmm. Like when again, when the Puritans came over, it was uh, the new world and the you know religious freedom and all the stuff, right? And so, it's easy to be post mill in that situation. Um, right now. Not so much because now you have people going, okay, well, what about all that gospel conquering stuff? Right. Yeah. Where's that? Um, Right. Um, And so uh, uh, there's a pretty easy argument from the post mill view for that, but, but it's, it's just, it's more of a, I believe scriptural, right? Uh, I just, I want to say that first because culture, if, if we, could and i don't think it's even possible frankly but if a person could just divorce yourself completely from culture and just read scripture 
that would be the way to go, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um, and, and that's what we kind of have to do with eschatology, um, at least the best you can, because uh, so much when it comes to the doctrine of last things is determined most of the time by what's going on around me. Oh, well, these people mm -hmm. must be right. Oh, well, this must be coming up. Oh, well, this, you know. Well, I think and, that somebody mentioned that, and that's something we got to be really, and, and we do this, I think, in a less extent to other doctrines that we look at, but it's most notable within eschatology to where you're, we're so easily swayed by what happens around us that it can change. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, this happens with everything. This happens with, uh, eschatology this happens with gender roles this happens with uh you know uh yeah, generosity this happens with i mean all of all of it is totally swayed and moved by the stupidest little thing that happens in society um to where uh i i think that there is a way albeit hard um to to separate yourself from culture as much as possible by looking at again just good hermeneutics and good exegetical work and and asking the right questions of why am i thinking that it says this when it may not say it this way mm -hmm. um and, and approaching it in a way that says okay well my first inclination is to say this but why why is that my first inclination um yeah. especially when it comes to eschatology because Right. So, I mean, I think the reason and we've talked about this and not to beat it up, but the dispensational when we were growing up, I think the reason that, that was so appealing was there, there wasn't really any persecution at that time. Or, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, Christians were Christians, whatever. Um, yeah. There was a lot of things that you could point to with Israel. So people were like, oh, yeah, look, that's right. And so everybody was like, oh, OK, we'll go over here now um, to where, you know. For example, if, like you said, with the Puritans coming over, there was this idea in their head that like they were living that out and they saw that. I just think it's, it's funny <laughs> how easily swayed we are yeah. uh, with those, those little cultural things and to be aware of those, to be yeah. aware of, you know, what's actually motivating me here, which is why I appreciate when you said, you know, going back to the scripture and saying, how can I as much as possible separate myself from these things and be cognizant of it and say, okay, this is yeah what can i take away from this yeah and and uh, you're right and if you're not intentional about doing that you're not going to do it no, uh, you're just yeah. you're not it's impossible because that's where your mind lives all the time right mm -hmm. um and so but the, so the argument against so we should say this right like uh from the beginning treat this like we have all the other podcasts like so post-millennialism uh at the end of the day this is the timeline right so mm -hmm. uh just like Amil, uh, Christ um, ascended into heaven after his time here on earth and is seated now at the right hand of the father. He is King of King, Lord of Lords. Um, and he rules now the kingdom is now and the church is his, the citizens of his kingdom. Right. Um, and the, the, so the chief difference is this is uh, the, the beginning of the reign of Christ at the right hand of the father. And, through history until he comes again and does that. This is the gospel, right? This is Christendom. It's going to continue to increase and, and look, conquer more and more, if that makes sense. Um, that's the idea that that's really the, the differentiating thing um, for the post mill view. Um, it's also the thing that uh, I think people who 
don't really know a lot of the, um, if you're going to make the cultural arguments and not only look at scripture, then it would be the one that's the hardest to defend on the surface. Yeah. Right. Because, because well, it's, because of it's, persecution and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, and even the, the world around us, right? Like mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm not being persecuted by Joe Biden. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can look around and, and you know, a lot of Christians right now are going, ah, what's happening. Right. And, um, but you, um, I think the, the argument against that, if you're just looking at culture and what's going on around you is, okay, well, let's think about the whole context, right? This began with, uh, 12 imbeciles. Okay. Who had followed Christ and then ran from him and rejected him you know, and deserted him at the very last minute, the time that he, you know, um, so those are the guys that this thing started with, right? Now tell me now, thousands of miles away, we're here with an internet presence that the entire world can look at, um, speaking about doctrine, biblical things, gospel, whatever, 2,000 years later. Tell me that's not the advance of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, bad things are happening. You know, they always have been. They always, you know, but but there there really is, when you look at it that way, it's really hard to argue against the progressive increase of the gospel, right? China, uh, notoriously terrible for Christians. And yet the church is exploding in China, mm-hmm. despite their blatant, unapologetic, um, not hiding it at all, trying to control it and demit. Yeah. So despite the, the most anti-Christian, maybe at least of the large nations, despite their, you know, despite all that they do against Christianity, it's exploding. Right. So those are some of the ways that, that, that argument would be handled in post-millennialism. Like, yeah, do what you want. You'll kill people. Right. Some of us will suffer and die. The gospel is bigger than you. I don't mm-hmm. care. Our king reigns, right? So that's kind of the attitude that's that's behind um, the post millennial view. Um, so, so the big difference yeah. here, if we can, if I can distinguish real quick between the amill and the post mill, is that the amill not and again, like you said, it's it, to say this without caricaturing another, you know, position. But out of all of the positions, post-mill would be the position that says um, that would be the people that would be in the marketplace, that would be out in the world, that would be pushing missions, that would be, you know, really vocal about, um, you know, Christians being involved and in place and changing culture um, and going forward with the gospel. Not that all-mill or dispensationalists aren't going to be that, but as far as the focus and the real yeah. oomph behind the whole thing, that would be maybe the difference or one of the more well, noticeable differences. Yeah. You're not going to have, um, in, in America, you're not going to find uh, post mill people who don't vote. Right. Like, because that's, it's, it's, it literally is everything that we do is supposed to be advancing the gospel message It's supposed to be alerting. And I say it this way on purpose, alerting, everyone around to the already rule of King Jesus over all other kingdoms. Right. Um, And that's the job of the church, the, the making disciples of all nations. Right. Um, And so 
I, I'm with you. Uh, obviously, all of these eschatological views um, have mission, a, a sense of mission. I mean, the, the one that I disagree with probably more than any others, the dispensational view, um, still has this urgency about them to do mission because you don't have long. Don't wait. Yeah. We don't know when, right? So, I mean, there's still uh, Christianity. What if you still, die tonight? Yeah. Right, right. Christianity is still, um, you know, uh, based on that push and that conviction that we need to preach the gospel, right? Um, it's just the outlook is a little bit different with Post Mill. So here, and I, this could be totally wrong, but this popped in my head and not that again, that you were the spokesman for post mill, but bouncing it off. I'm definitely hope not for its <laughs> sake. <laughs> so dispensationalists would probably lean toward the get saved tonight because you could go to hell, look forward to heaven. This is your hope. Whereas post mill would be, you know, you need to get saved. That's because you're a sinner in need of salvation, but now you are go forth and declare King Jesus. And if he comes back tonight, great. If he doesn't, you're still going doing your thing. Yeah, well, and and the there's a there's a different at least so this has just been my experience. Okay, I, I certainly can't speak for yeah. all the people who have migrated to this viewpoint, but um, but in my experience, um, it it has been um, very uh, you. When I was a diehard, because I didn't, I hadn't studied it or whatever, when I was an Armenian, right? And it was about only focused around your choice, right? Salvation. Um, it was very much um, the message that you said in the beginning right there. Like, uh, you, you could die tonight. What if you die tonight? You never know when it's going to happen. You're going to go to hell. Do you want to go to hell? Right. You know, like, mm -hmm. and let's, let's talk about Jesus. Um, it's almost like you're pleading, if that makes sense mm -hmm. with, with, you know, the rapture could happen at any time, you know? Um, and well, that's how it was always presented. I mean, when we were right. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, honestly, dude, side note, there were, there were, uh, a, there were a couple of different times in my childhood when like my parents were really late and they said they were going to be home. Right. That kind of thing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I missed it. You know, like I'm freaking out as a kid because of that yeah, is but, a true story. <laughs> dude. Um, but anyway, so I, I think though that the, the outlook with a post, a post mill outlook when we're jumping into the world, when we're uh, ministering to people, there's a lot more of a, you know, repent and believe in the gospel. He already is your king, whether you uh, want him to be or not, right? He is the king and this is the kingdom. It's his kingdom. He's the king of all other nations and kings. He's the one that raises kingdoms up and lowers them. And like it or not, that's the way it is. This is the gospel. It doesn't have to be this way for you. Your choice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a lot more like... Um, it's not a combativeness. Yeah, it was well, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, it's not a hey, these these are yeah. fighting. It's he's already won. You just don't know it yet. Right, right. It, you're you're coming at it from an already more Victoria. Like mm -hmm. victory is already done, right? In yeah. fact, I found this out in my study. The Christmas song, Joy to the World, mm -hmm. was not a Christmas song. It it was never meant to be. It was a post millennial song. 
when you when you look at the words mm-hmm. uh, of Christ coming, let earth receive her king, I let every heart declare him room. Yeah. Um, and heaven and nature say it's like this entire major picture of Christ the King, the inauguration of the kingdom, you know. Um and there's a lot of that uh across our little world that we don't think about or don't know that it's actually influenced by that or that's why it was created or came about or whatever but hmm. yeah so a, a lot of i'll say this too a lot of so we're working through the book of matthew um at our church right now and you know, start preaching and uh, matthew has come into a clearer view that makes that makes it easier to explain as i've studied post-millennial uh th- that view because there's so much kingdom talk you know mm. well that's um, all i mean the whole thing is yeah. kingdom of, kingdom of god kingdom yeah. of god repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand yeah okay what in the heck does at hand mean if we're waiting on you know so like there's there's this stuff that you have to make sense of um yeah so anyway gotcha all right. So as uh, cats out of the bag, we all know where Rob stands. Uh, <laughs> Probably going to get fired when this comes out. Oh, okay. Well, hey, you got a month then. You got a month. That's good. I yeah. mean, you wrap up your affairs, you yeah. know, invest in something so you make some money, take care of your family. <laughs> if anybody's hiring, right. you can email him. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah. I might, I might start. My, one of my elders always jokes about conferences and pastor's conferences where you're just going to network to get your next job. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have a couple in my back pocket. Uh, but, All right. Yeah. So any, any, any closing words on this episode uh, about Postmill before we kind of wrap everything up next week on these, all these views? Um, yeah. So I should say a couple of people like last week with Amil, I didn't do this with pre-mill because literally everywhere you look, there's that view you can research. But um, if you really want to learn more about pre-mill and you understand it more than David Jeremiah is a good person. Um, he does a lot of explaining and stuff with that. Um, though he doesn't talk about it much. I think Piper's actually pre-mill. Uh, John MacArthur is dispensational pre-millennial. Um, so Sam Storms for a millennial. And then for post-mill, you can look up Jeff Durbin, D-U-R-B-I-N. Jeff isn't Durbin Doug, is a good place. Isn't Doug, Doug Wilson? Wilson? Doug Wilson is um, one of the, actually one of the main voices for post, the post-mill view. Um, and see who else? Kenneth Gentry uh, with a G. He's oh, another yeah. really good. Another I've really heard good, of him from another, um, yeah, another friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. He's got this actually book. This is really if you actually need help just like running through it from all of scripture, kind of what it looks like, um, that's a good book. The post-millennialism made easy by Kenneth Gentry. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I, I don't, this is, none of this stuff is hill to die on at this point for me. Yeah. Um, and that's what we'll talk about next week. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, I, I definitely and squarely land here at the moment. Cool. All right, guys. Well, hopefully this uh, a particular episode helped clear up uh, a little bit more for you on what post mill is. And then if you join us next week, um, we'll trash talk all of them. No, I'm joking. Next week is going to be a wrap up, a wrap up on, uh, on, on this subject entirely, just as a quick little bow on top. Um, come back for that. We'll talk to you then. See you later. 
uh, Lord willing. Ah.